David Himmel is an award-winning writer and one of the editors of the Chicago-based digital magazine Literate Ape, and he's the co-host of its accompanying podcast. But in a former life, he worked as a radio DJ in Las Vegas for over six years at a time when the industry and he himself were really going through some big shifts. The stories from that time make up The Last DJ, Corporate Greed, and Salacious Errands, and Drag Queens. Sounds like my kind of thing. So... Here's David Himmel. Welcome to Vocalo. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. Just a quick uh, asterisk to that. Literate Ape is also, we're now operating out of Las Vegas. Oh, fancy. Because the co-editor, Don Hall, just mm-hmm. moved to Las Vegas, so we're bi-coastal. <laughs> I do wonder how a man in his 20s goes to Vegas and stays there. How did you find yourself as an oldies DJ in Vegas? Yeah, so I went out there for college. Um, I was in hotel restaurant management. And after two semesters of that, I went, this is awful. I don't want to do this. Because, you know, UNLV is where, you know, I went to UNLV. is a great hotel restaurant management school. Mm -hmm. But the other reason that I went out to Las Vegas was because at the time, UNLV had an award-winning college station, uh, KUNV. And by the time I got there, it had been taken over by the administration and turned to an all-jazz community format. And the students were basically kicked out almost entirely. Mm -hmm which was disappointing for when I showed up for my first day of class. I'm like, let's do radio, because I did radio in high school. And then like two, three years go by. Then I I had a friend who was, she was working in the sales department at the Clear Channel cluster out in Las Vegas. And she knew that I was into radio and wanted to get into radio. And she called me one day and said, they're looking for an intern at the oldie station. I was like, yep, I'm in. And it was cool being with the oldie station because I grew up listening. I listened to WJMK here and, you know, like, My mom is a huge Elvis fan. And so, like, I knew the music already. It wasn't like, what is this old people stuff? You know, (laughs) not at all. Like, I I had absolute appreciation for all of it. They let me be an intern. And, yeah, that that was that. It just And then it just snowballed into other things. And, you know, my first job as an intern was looking up which oldie stars were dead or alive. And the Internet wasn't as full as it is now. This is in 2000. So that was that was awful. You know, having to do that. That was just it was. And this is like, this is what radio is. I wanted to be on air and I want to, like, do stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, it was really cool just being around that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I stuck around and busted my hum to do everything I could do to get behind the microphone eventually and was assistant program director and helped with the music direction. I basically did everything but sales. Yeah. Because you. <laughs> I couldn't do it. How did uh, uh, such a young person get to, to be entrusted with an oldies format. You're a whippersnapper. What were your listeners Yeah, and I was even more of a whippersnapper um, back then. So I think the reason that I was, that I made it on air as an oldies jock was I sounded older than I was, which helped. Yeah. And I studied hard. I mean, I really, I understood the board. I understood the nature of radio and what was important. And not, it wasn't this natural thing. I mean, I'm not like tooting my own horn here how great I was, but (laughs) I, but I studied. I mean, I, I paid attention. I paid real, you know, real close attention. So I could do it. And I learned everything I could. I consumed like a lunatic. One of the things is, and I talk about this in the book, is that there's the, the Billboard Top top 100, mm-hmm. you know, big book that goes from like 1955 to 2018, whatever it is now. And when I was board operating and there were downtimes, I would read that book cover to cover. So yeah. like I just I knew who the artists were. I knew about the, the record companies and just, you know, where things charted. So I understood the music. So I was able to communicate that on air. And I eventually like knew more about the music at 22 years old than people who had grown up with it. Or even some of the jocks. you've got this en- encyclopedic fact-based yeah. writing and yeah. you're, you're not just working from, oh, that Davy Jones was so adorable. Right. And uh. Davy Jones was not adorable. <laughs> Again, another story in the book, Mary Wilson of the Supremes comes to the station and I'm, I've always 
love Mary Wilson. Yeah. She's always been my favorite Supreme. And I fell over myself for her, <laughs> in part because I was hammered. Yeah, sure. I was, I was drunk. But, I mean, I was just a... And I asked her out on a, I asked her out for tacos. You know, I'm like, hey, Mary, do you like tacos? Let's, you know. And she was... Wonderful. She's she's great. Oh, she was one of the first people I got to interview when I started working here. Oh yeah, that's great. She was in town for a Christmas show with um, Duke Fakir from the Four Tops, mm-hmm. and uh, she and I she she was in her hotel room. She was on the phone. She wasn't feeling super great. It was the middle of winter. So I was like, please stay at the hotel. Yeah. We'll just have you on the phone. Uh, we talked about her grandkids. We talked about music, and. Uh, did she mention me? She talked a lot about you. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> but one of the one of my proudest radio moments was when uh, I mentioned just in passing uh, Charles Bradley, mm-hmm. and she said, "Who's that?" And I said, "Oh my goodness! Look, at, you got your computer near you. Look it up." And I could hear her pulling up Charles Bradley on whatever music thing she had, yeah. and she, you know, she's like, "I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look this up." And she called back. She called the radio station back. Uh, after we were off the air to thank me because she thought it was just the most wonderful thing. And that's incredible. Like, I got to turn a Supreme on yeah. to something. That's that crazy. is awesome. But that's radio, right? You get yeah. you get to as much as you learn from people and as much as you get to meet your heroes. Sometimes, yeah. you still are in a position where you can expose somebody who you know may be an encyclopedia of music themselves to yeah. something that they may not know. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with what you do. You know, with with the the, the disc jockey, the radio host, whether it's educating them on music or telling them the news or the traffic or what. I mean, that's in, that's important stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's I think that's part of the cool thing about the job mm-hmm. is that, you know, there's there's influence and you learn and they're learning. And it's this this community between the microphone and the headphones and the stereo and the, the podcast and, you know, whatever. It's yeah. it's it's really cool. This is Vocalo. I'm Jill Hopkins. Joining me in the studio is writer and the author of The Last DJ, David Himmel. Uh, So radio in the early 2000s, especially commercial radio in the early 2000s, was it a there was a sea change of coming and it wasn't something that you could stop because it was a freight train. Yeah. Uh, But it was also something unlike a freight train that you could see coming from a while away. Yeah. and, And the difference between what was happening in commercial radio and the freight train, because you're right, like there's no stopping and it's coming fast and it's going to hit hard, Yeah, is that a freight train is really loud. The corporate America, the, the, the conglomeration of the whole thing is really quiet and sneaky and black ops. You know, <laughs> like it's like mm-hmm. it's like the CIA was behind Clear Channel. The first thing that happened is they started to automate everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was and in a weird way. Thank you, because that helped. That, that helped me because I had a job of, of, of running the board and figuring out how voice tracking worked. Mm-hmm. And so what I didn't know at the time is that I was helping to design my own demise, mm-hmm. you know, or the demise of, of the disc jockey. And that's not to obviously there are still live radio hosts and there's still disc jockeys out there, but it's not the, the industry that it once was and it hasn't been for a long time. And it's always been a tough industry. Yeah. You know, it's, it's media. It's entertainment. That's always hard to to thrive in. But yeah, it was. I mean, I just saw people leaving and you know g- getting voice track shifts from their live shifts, and it was it was hard to see. I don't know how I would have handled it differently because I wanted the opportunity, and maybe I would have thought, 
I can stick this out and I can be one of the survivors. It was it was weird to watch. And it, and I we actually, I, I totally forgot about this until just now, but we made t-shirts, like all the programming staff that said, hello, my name is, and then a barcode. And then underneath it, it said, a happy member of the Clear Channel family. I'm Jill Hopkins. This is Vocalo, David Himmel, author of The Last DJs, joining me in the studio today. Did you know while it was happening, uh, because you had studied writing by then, that this would be something that you wanted to make into a book? Well, I didn't know that I wanted to make it into this book. Like, this was not the image. I thought that one day I would maybe, like, write a TV show, create a TV show, like a, you know, WKRP type. But, like, I was studying the characters in the station and thinking, like, just putting in the back of my head. And that's not what this book is. This book is, you know, more more true to, I mean, there's, it's it's based on a true story. So there's mm-hmm. some minor embellishments and, you know, um, combining of characters just to keep it easier yeah. on the reader. But yeah, it was a friend of mine was just, I was, I was telling him a story and I started thinking about it. Like, why well, don't just want to write, like, here's a story about Danny Bonaducci and the time I hit on Mary Wilson and, you know, the time I fell in love with the drag queen and, you know, all this, all these other things. But like, what's the through line of the story? And I think the through line was the changing industry and the greedy consumption of American communities by corporate America. And that makes me sound so like... <laughs> <laughs> strident and anti-capitalistic, and that's not really the case. But, I mean, that's what was happening. Like, there was yeah. an industry and communities were losing their local radio as a result of it, and that sucks. You know, some people will complain that, you know, podcasts and streaming ruined radio, ruined music, and I don't think that's true. I yeah. think that everything changes, and, you know, we adapt, and that's that's a good thing. What terrestrial and corporate radio didn't do well is, is adapt. They were cocky. Uh, they did not have foresight, you know, they weren't thinking things through. And I think that that helped with the rise of podcasts and streaming. Because, you know, if you don't like the disc jockeys on your station, you now can find the personalities that you do like anywhere on podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, and you can find podcasts anywhere. On I bet Spotify, the bass player on, from the Kinks has it. <laughs> I bet you he does, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, so that, yeah, I, I think they should have seen it coming, but they weren't, they weren't thinking and they're still struggling with it. Do you miss it? Do you miss being a radio Every jack? day. Yeah. Every single day. It's there is not a day that goes by since I've left radio that I don't miss it and would jump at a chance to get back in. So if you're hiring, <laughs> it's just it's so much fun. It is just so much fun to be behind the board and controlling the board. And, and, and it's not because I like the sound of my own voice. It's fun to create a show and to put it out there for people and have people respond to it and be able to engage with the listeners. What did you take from your time at the radio station? that is still applicable and super useful to you in your life now? I think brevity being genius helps. Um, Simplifying your messaging, conserving your words for when they matter most. Uh, I try not to be a motor mouth, even though, like, the job is talking, right? But less is more, you know? Be thoughtful in what you're saying and why you're saying it. And I think that that's really important now in the age of uh, social media where it's just so easy to be like, I'm going to say this and everybody has a platform and ah, you know, think it through a minute. Like if you wouldn't say it on radio, don't say it on Facebook. And that's a great place to, to wrap this. I, I think that that is so wise and it really sets the stage for, for a great read. David Himmel's book is The Last DJ. You can find it at Amazon or wherever finer books are sold. Or you can just go to DavidHimmel.com and find out all of the stuff that you do. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Thank you please, for having me. This was, this was a blast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this write a lot of some fun. more books and we'll, we'll talk some more about them. I'm on it. 